0: We're in week two on a series of committing to pray. So I have a few questions for you. Again, you don't have to answer these out loud. Just kind of think about them. How do you pray? How often do you pray? What do you ask God for when you pray? Do you actually believe he will answer your prayers? This morning I want to share with you what happens... When the church commits to pray. But I was looking into prayer this week and I found some prayers from kids. And I thought, what a fun way to start. So I want to share some of these with you. I think sometimes that our prayers are kind of like these. The first one is from a little girl named Teresa. She's eight eight years old. It says, Dear God, I know you love me, but I wish you would give me an A on my report card so I could be sure. That's, That's kind of how we pray sometimes, isn't it? Or the next one is from Debbie, age 9. Dear Pastor, could you say a special blessing for my Aunt Beatrice? She's been looking for a husband for 12 years and still hasn't found one. Yours sincerely, Debbie. Sometimes we like to pass the prayer off to somebody else. Dear Pastor, do I really have to say grace before every meal? Even when I'm only having a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Wesley, age 9. Dear Pastor, please pray for all the airline pilots. I'll be flying to California tomorrow. Lori, age 10. (laughs) She's got everybody covered. (laughs) Dear Pastor, we say grace every night before we eat dinner, even when we have leftovers from the night before. Yours truly, Jackie. She's grateful for all those things. Probably my favorite one is Dear Pastor, I say my prayers before I eat my supper, but my mother still makes me finish my spinach and drink all my milk. <laughs> I, I did the good. So we do that, though. We, we, I prayed, and I still have to do it. Yeah. You know, it's kind of how we do things. We Sometimes we just kind of get in that habit. We just kind of check off the, the prayer on our spiritual to-do list. Let me ask you this question. Have you ever prayed one of those deep, bold no holds barred, God has to move kind of prayers. Have you ever prayed one of those? Have you ever had one of those times when God's answered your prayer? Think about how you felt the time when God came and answered your prayer. You see, something powerful happens when God's church makes a commitment to pray. When we pray, we connect our lives to the very same God who spoke this world into being. The very same God who formed the Swiss Alps, who carved the Grand Canyon, who planted the rainforest. The very same God who placed every single star in its place. When God's church prays, great things to begin to happen. Today I want to share with you three of those things that I think happen when God's church prays. First off, we become united. Second, when God's church prays, we receive guidance. And also believe that when God's church prays, God's power is released. Will you pray with me? Father God, we're here this morning and we're going to talk about prayer. We're going to talk about talking to you. Lord, I pray that as we Look at your word. We will have a desire to become united. We will have a desire to seek out your guidance when we pray. And Lord, most of all, I, my prayer is that as we commit to praying, it would be evident of the release of your power. Lord, I thank you for your son, Jesus. It's because of him that we can talk to you in this way. that We can have this relationship. Amen. When the church prays, we become united. As we get started this morning, I want you to think about what you know of the early church. Anybody just read Acts every day just because you can? Because you love history and want to know how the church worked? No. Okay. I want to encourage you to read through Acts. You'll see that the church is described by Luke in the books of, book of Acts. It's an absolutely united church. The early church it was united. Ten different times in Acts, Luke uses a Greek word to describe the early church that basically means they were all on the same page. I'm not telling you what that word is today because next year I'm doing part of a series and I'm going to talk about unity, and you have to be here for that. So a little spoiler alert, I'm going to get into that word. But he uses it ten different times in the book of Acts. And when he uses that word, it means unity. Everybody was on the same page. They were all of the same accord. Not in the same car, but of the same understandings. Okay. Come on. That was, <laughs> that was classic preacher joke right there, folks. It's accord? Never mind. They had the same agenda. There was no running off in different directions. Nobody, Where, where they didn't always know what the others were doing. Everybody was, was on point, if you will. They were of one mind. In Acts chapter 4, verses 13 through 22, Peter and John are released from prison. I love this story because they're arrested because they had the audacity to believe that the resurrected Christ was still powerful enough to heal a 40-year-old man who had been crippled since birth. See, they had a prayer, they believed the prayer, and God answered the prayer. They healed this man in the name of Jesus. And some of the Jewish leaders got hot under the collar, if you will. They got upset about it. They had just worked really hard to get rid of this man called Jesus, and now here's Peter and John, and they use his name to heal a crippled man. It's kind of obvious they didn't really know what they should do with these two renegades. They wanted to kill them, but they were afraid of what might happen because what they did was in public and they didn't want to get the crowd all riled up. So they just threatened Peter and John and they told him, don't ever speak that name again or else it might get worse. Let me ask you a question. What would you do if you were in their shoes? Think about it. You're standing in front of the same people who put Jesus to death and now they're threatening you. And they're saying, don't say it again. Do not use this man's name. What would you do? Look at Acts chapter 4, verses 13 through 22 with me, if you will. The Bible says, Now as they observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed and began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they had nothing to say in reply. But when they had ordered them to leave the council, they began to confer with one another. So they told him to leave, and now the council's having a conversation, and here's what they said. What shall we do with these men? For the fact that a noteworthy miracle has taken place through them is apparent to all who live in Jerusalem. We cannot deny it. But so that it will not spread any further among the people, let us warn them to speak no longer to any man in this name. And when they had summoned them, they commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. In verse 19, But Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to give heed to you rather than to God, you be the judge. For we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. To have that boldness. Oh, I would love that. And then verse 21 says, When they had threatened them further, they let them go, finding no basis on which to punish them on account of the people because they were all glorifying God for what had happened. Verse 22 says, For the man was more than 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing had been performed. Did you catch how Peter and John trapped the Sanhedrin? You see, if the Sanhedrin would have said that it was right to obey God, then Peter and John were free to continue doing what they were doing. If they would have said, you must stop speaking, Peter and John would be guilty of rebellion against God. So they did exactly what most people would do if they didn't know how to answer. They simply ignored the question. That's kind of the background of where we're headed today. But how does prayer unite the church? Why would I bring that up? Because when you look at verses 23 and 24, read this. When they had been released, they went to their own companions, that's Companion is a Greek word for church, in case you're wondering, not really, I made that up. But they went to their church, they went to their people. They reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard this, they lifted their voices to God with one accord and said, O oh Lord, it is you who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that it is in them. Peter and John, just having been threatened by the Sanhedrin, Made a beeline straight to the church. They turned them loose. They went right back to their people. Why? What did the church do? What did they do? They prayed. I want to look at the prayer and I want you to notice what they didn't pray for. They didn't pray for vengeance, they didn't pray to be hidden, they didn't pray for something bad to happen to the Sanhedrin because they had put Peter and John in jail. They didn't pray for any of those things. But starting at verse 25, it says, Who by the Holy Spirit, through the mouth of our father David, your servant said, Why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples devise futile things? The kings of the earth took their stand, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly in this city, there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your purpose predestines to occur. And now, Lord, take note of their threats and grant grant that your bondservants may speak your word with all confidence while you extend your hand to heal and signs and wonders take place through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Verse 31 says, And when they had prayed, The place where they had gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. You remember last week, I shared this image with you. I said, sometimes this is what our prayer life looks like. It starts out with good intentions, but it gets all jumbled up. It gets all runny. Think about the early church. They didn't all know what was happening. And here we have two men who who do something well in the name of Jesus, and they're persecuted for it. What I love about this story is their prayer life doesn't go back to this. It goes to the picture above. It goes to where they go back to what they know. They go back to their people, and they all together collectively with unity pray and then the bible says when they prayed the place where they had gathered was shaken and they were all filled with the holy spirit and began to speak the word of god with boldness you see their prayer was so powerful they were all united that the home they were in it began to shake that's what i want to see happen here at huntsville christian church that we're so united in prayer that our prayer becomes so powerful the very foundation of this building would shake. I would love that. How about at Huntsville Christian Church we're so united in prayer for our community, for our families, for our church leadership, for those who don't have a relationship with Jesus that those foundations are shaken. You see, when God's church prays, we will not only clear this up, okay? But I believe when God's church prays, we, we find unity, and through this clutter that's our life, God reveals His guidance. We receive His guidance to us when we pray. Prayer is one of the ways that we activate the Holy Spirit in our lives. But see, the reality is a lot of times we, we kind of try to suffocate the Holy Spirit in our lives. We don't like it when He comes out, because then we know we shouldn't do certain things, and we know we need to treat people differently. But see, when we're praying, when we're continually praying, when we're in unity praying, we're giving permission for the Holy Spirit to work in all of our lives. And when we get it right, like right here, and this is why I had to put the picture above the mess, when we get it right, it covers all the messy stuff that we talked about last week. See, when we come together in unity, and when I actually say, hey, Scott, how are you doing today? You don't go, man, I'm just great. Look at my new shirt. You go, man, I had a tough week. My boss is on me. My project's not done. And then I grab Don and I go, hey, Don, let's pray with Scott real quick. See, we start to straighten out the mess of Scott's week. Same thing. When, When we stop pretending what we are and we come together in unity and we pray for each other and we encourage one another with prayer, it starts to cover up this stuff. It starts... The light shines brighter than the mess. Doesn't mean we'll never have a week where we have a mess. Doesn't mean that. But it means when we pray through that week, unity with one another, with accountability, with love, starts to make the mess more bearable, no matter what the mess is. Listen closely. It has never been God's plan for his people to grope around in darkness trying to feel their way through life in, in, in misery. And in Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 10 through 15, Jeremiah speaks to those who are, who are in exile. He tells them, God already knows where he's going to take us. He's waiting for us to ask for guidance. Listen to the word from the Lord through his prophet Jeremiah. He says, for thus says the Lord, when 70 years have been completed for Babylon, I will visit you and fulfill my good word to you. To bring you back to this place. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for calamity. To give you a future and a hope. See, he doesn't say, my plan for you, Israel, is to just wander around. He says, I want to bring you things. I have plans for welfare, for a future, for a hope. Verse 12, then you will call upon me. And come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. When we come together and pray and we seek him, we will find him. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place from where I sent you into exile. You see, when we refuse to pray to God, when we just don't ask or we wait until we've made a royal mess of things before we ask, then we're treating God like a prayer genie. Just get me out of this one more time. I promise I'll never do it again. Sometimes we treat prayer like it's all about just having God bail us out. God knew his people would be in exile for 70 years, but he still wanted to hear from them. He knew what they needed, but he wanted them to know what they needed. He wanted them to admit to him what they needed. What about in the New Testament? In Acts chapter 6, we see the church seeking divine guidance. As thousands are being led to Jesus, the disciples are overwhelmed. There's so much stuff that they can't devote themselves to prayer and study. There was a need for for some people to step up and help. And what do they do? The apostles asked God to give them seven men full of the Spirit who would step up to the plate. And when they prayed in unity, God provided. Again, in Acts chapter 15, I'm telling you, Acts is a great book to read through. In Acts chapter 15, the church is over 10 years old now, and more and more Gentiles are coming in. Possibly there are now more Gentiles than Jews coming into the church. The Jews have been worshiping God a certain way for 1,500 years. That's a lot of tradition. That's a lot of tradition. Their minds were already set on how church was supposed to be. It was supposed to be like the old days. That that was a constant struggle. Quick side note, by the way. November is is the month that Huntsville Christian Church began. And Huntsville Christian Church has been serving in this community for over 50 years. Now, I can only imagine 1,500 years of, well, preacher, we've always done it that way. The early church needed divine guidance as to how to deal with this diverse group of people. So they prayed for guidance because they needed to know what was essential and they needed to know what was just a matter of opinion. You know what? God answered them. Brothers and sisters, as God's church, we need to pray for guidance. We need to ask God to show us what is essential. And when God's church prays, he'll give us guidance if we stop trying to tell him how it ought to be. When God's church prays, we'll not only find unity, we'll receive his guidance. And when God's church prays, and this is my favorite one, God's power is released. His power is released. In Acts chapter 12, we see an example of this. The church is facing some tough times. Herod had arrested a number of Christians. One was John's brother, James. Herod wasted no time uh, in having him beheaded. He scored some pretty big points with the Jews. But immediately he had Peter arrested, intending to do the same thing. And here's Peter. He's in prison. He's waiting to die. Things look bleak for the new church until God's power is released on the situation Look at this in Acts chapter 12 verses 5 through 12. The Bible says, So Peter was kept in the prison, but prayer for him was being made fervently by the church to God. So Peter's in jail, but his church is praying. On the very night when Herod was about to bring him forward, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and guards in front of the door were watching over the prison. And verse 7, And behold, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared and a light shone in the cell, and he struck Peter's side and woke him up, saying, Get up quickly. And his chains fell off his hands. I think the only thing that would have made this better is if Peter's chains would have fallen off of him and, like, somehow chained the two guards together. But I do weird things. So that's why I didn't do this. God did. But they, the chains fall off of Peter. And the angel said to him, Gird yourself. He said, wrap wrap your, your toe, wrap it up around you, tuck it into your waist, gird yourself, you're leaving. Put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and continued to follow. And he didn't know that what the angel was being done, or he didn't know what was being done by the angel was real, but thought he was just seeing a vision. And when they had passed the first and second guard, they came to the iron gate that leads into the city which opened for them by itself. And they went out and went along one street. And immediately the angel departed from him. I'd like to know at what point he realized it was no longer a vision. (laughs) Maybe when the iron gate closed shut. I don't know. The angel immediately departed from him. And verse 11 says, When Peter came to himself, He said, now I know for sure that the Lord has sent forth his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all the Jewish people uh, were expecting. And when he realized this, what did he do? He went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, who was also called Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. He went to the church, and the church was praying. And when God's people pray, when God's church prays, he will unleash his power according to his will. I would have loved to have been in that little house church, praying with Mary, Dear Lord, please watch over our brother. And then all of a sudden, he knocks on the door and says, Hey, can I come in? Man. In Acts 16, verses 25 and 26, prayer causes the power of the Almighty God to be unleashed. It says, Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying. Again, they were in jail. Paul made a habit of this. They were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening and suddenly there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately were opened and everyone's chains were unfastened. Man, that story goes on. The, the guard, the lead guard was about to kill himself and they're like, no, no, don't do that. We're all here. We just wanted you to know the power of our God. You know what my Bible also says, it tells me that our God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same God that told King Solomon in 2 Chronicles 7, 14, and my people who are called by my name, humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. When they do that, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. That same God, His power is the same today as it was yesterday. He will be just as powerful tomorrow, in case you're wondering. The same God who broke Peter, John, Paul, and Silas out of prison. The same God who locked the jaws of the lions for Daniel. The same God who took down the giant as David faced his greatest fear. The same God who brought down the walls of Jericho. The same God who walked into fire with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The same God who parted the Red Sea so the Israelites could could flee from the Egyptian army. The same God that opened the eyes of the blind, made the lame to walk and the dumb to speak, and yes, who raised the dead. That same God is our God. And he is not changed. He's not growing old. His power is not running out. His strength is not fading. I believe that we're not seeing the power of God unleashed for two basic reasons. And this is just my personal opinion. We don't ask. We don't ask for God's power to be in our life. We don't ask for His help with relationships like we should. We don't ask for His help with our jobs like we should. We don't ask for His help with addiction or with with life or with the things that we're battling. Reality is, we don't pray like we should. And so more times than not, that picture in the middle is what we end up with. I also think, and this is going to make some of you angry, but that's okay. Okay. We don't believe. We look at all the stuff going on in our world, all these bad things that happen, and we get scared. And somewhere deep down, we doubt. We want to believe. But we don't believe that God still can. We don't truly believe that God can heal this land, like he said in 2 Chronicles, and my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear them. I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sins, and will heal their land. I don't think we believe that. Not like we should. It's been said that to pray is nothing more involved than to let Jesus into our needs. To pray is to give Jesus permission to employ the Holy Spirit to help alleviate our distress. I don't think we do that. Not for real. Not like we should. As we come to our response time this morning, I want to encourage you to grab that sheet of paper that's next to you on the chair. Write down a bold prayer. Maybe for you, it's a a bold prayer of unity and direction for Huntsville Christian Church. Maybe for you, it's a bold prayer for you to, to start a new phase in life. Write down that prayer. You know what? Be so bold in writing down this prayer. Write down a prayer that will shake the foundations of this place. That will turn our community upside down. Maybe the prayer you write today is, Lord, I want to believe. Help my non-belief. Maybe whatever you're struggling with, you just don't think God cares enough. And maybe that's what you need to write down. But I believe that when God's people are committed to prayer, that when God's church prays, We'll find unity. I believe we will receive God's guidance. And when God's church prays, I believe that his power is released. And when his power is released, there is nothing we can't do for his glory. As we stand and sing our response song, if you have a decision to make for the Lord, now's the time to do that. If you wrote a prayer on that card, as we sing this song, now's the time to put one of the prayers in in the prayer buckets. However you respond to God's word this morning, let's respond by all of us making a commitment to prayer. Will you sing our response song with us and respond to God accordingly? Again, if at any time during this week you want to stop by and place a prayer in those buckets, come on down. It's been great to be here with you all this morning to worship, to have communion, Celebrate how awesome our God truly is. But now it's time for us to go. As you go this week, go being committed to prayer. Pray for your family every day this week. Pray for your friends, your co workers, your boss. Pray for your elders and the staff here at Huntsville Christian Church. Pray this week that we will find unity. Pray that we will receive God's guidance. Pray that God's power will be released and that our country. Will be healed. I really believe that when God's church prays, those things can happen. Will you sing this last song with us?